0: yak babies sex presidents and sometimes books
1: welcome to yak babies the only podcast on the internet sponsored by happy harry's wound clinic we have giggles and gauze i'm Zarin. here my personal pals dave hey boys we have brick ouch <laughs> a client and then we have calling from old ireland as always old irish nico hello Yes, hello. It's time to talk about what we're reading. This is a regular feature of the podcast where we go into our reading list and see what's been entertaining us in the literary arts lately. This is a... I think we all are kind of like in a crunch space. We haven't done too much reading lately. Uh, I certainly have been overwhelmed by work, so I don't have a ton. But I have a couple things, one of which will be not controversial, but will be in keeping with certain themes of the podcast. You'll see about that later. Let's start with our friend Nico. Nico, you been reading lately.
2: I've actually gone through at least a couple of notable books so nice. i tried to read the name of the rose that was my hard oh, yeah. book after <laughs> gravity's rainbow did not like it it's very boring
1: it's a fair tale echo
2: yeah it's about a 12th century monk like yeah. investigating a murder but it's like 90 percent just like monks talking about the bible <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't
1: couldn't take it More murder, less Bible.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just so, there's just so much laughter is against the Bible. Well, no, it's not, brother, blah, 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 because blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. No, no.
1: (laughs) Did it win the Booker? Uh,
2: It, (laughs) I don't know. It won something. So then after that, I tried to read The Blind Assassin. I'm still reading it, but. It, it did win the Booker. That was the okay. one I didn't realize won the Booker until I had bought it. Oh. I realized live on the podcast that it won the Booker and was right. upset about it. I don't <laughs> understand why every book that has won the Booker has to do these bullshit with like – dialogue and naming characters like there's so the blind assassin has a novel within the novel and all of the passages from the novel within the novel have no dialogue tags no no dialogue quotes no nothing so the dialogue just runs into the rest of the action characters are not named you don't know who's speaking you don't know who the characters are because they're literally never named it's annoying i'm hanging in there for now but who knows
1: and who's the author on that again margaret atwood Oh right, gotcha.
2: Then I read uh, Termination Shock, and I didn't finish that either. So that's the new Neil Stevenson book that just came oh. out. And holy shit, his like his worst impulses are getting, like he is leaning more and more into his worst impulses. It's just hmm. now it's just like literally. Let me talk about a plane landing for forty five minutes. So there's there's like the the opening scene is the queen of the Netherlands is landing a plane <laughs> and she hits a pig. On the, on the runway and it like, and causes a plane crash. But that scene is 90% like, in order to land the plane, you have to reduce the drag and you do this by putting the flaps down and blah, blah, blah. And then you have to get down to the V-Ref, which is about 160 miles an hour. And so for a plane this big, it's like, no, that, I do not care. <laughs> I do not care about, about V-Ref at all. I care about hitting the pig. Like just get to the fucking pig.
1: Right. Like Neil Stevenson got really into Microsoft Flight Simulator, and is like just like wants to share his knowledge from that. It's a hundred
2: percent like he just does whatever he wants to, and doesn't think to 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 decide whether it should be in a book or whether it's entertaining mm. to a reader right. at all. So that's annoying. And then and then we read the Midnight Library for our book club, which is by Matt Haig, and it's it's about this woman who dies, and then she goes to the Midnight Library and gets to gets all the books in the library are different lives that she could have lived if she had made different choices Hmm. so it's yeah so you kind of immediately know that she's going to choose her original life and like be you know learn to love it or whatever uh so that (laughs) that happened i don't know i just can't (laughs) i just can't get behind like it's like half it's a wonderful life Mostly it's a wonderful, wonderful life. Like, I just don't like that arc mm. where it's like nothing changes except the character. And then they learn, oh, the solution to my crippling depression was just to appreciate my life more.
1: Right. I don't know. Interesting. Bunch of, bunch of misses. There is definitely a spinoff podcast here where Nico reads the Booker Prize winners. Yeah. Or nominees and just like goes through.
2: Aren't we going to do Booker or Hooker? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like I could. If I, if I read the nominees, I could pick the winner, because it's just going to be the one that's the most bullshit. <laughs> and they, they like a very specific uh, kind of bullshit, <laughs> which is also incredibly easy to do. It's just like take out all of the normal things that help a reader understand what's happening. Right. And then put a bunch of shit, just, put it, just pile up the fucking words in a way that doesn't make any sense to anybody, yeah. and you'll win the booker.
3: Maybe we need to... Maybe we need to just, instead of trying to campaign for governor of Wisconsin or whatever, just do what we can to get Nico on the Booker Committee. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we, should, we should try to install a Yak Babies partisan into the Booker Committee. <laughs> Change the Fuck stuff you. around. you.
2: Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Hate
1: you all. This year's judges include a litany of celebrated authors and critics and also one of the Yak Babies. <laughs>
2: One crotchety grinch who's just going to hate everything.
1: Yeah. A literary podcaster. would <laughs> be like
0: that year that nobody voted on the – or nobody picked a Pulitzer winner. Yeah. Nico just – Nico's on the board but vote. he never puts in a vote. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think that was the Swamplandia year because yeah. I read that book and I was like, this – it's fine. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't need a Pulitzer. That book, yeah. And so did they. Yeah. It's got to be devastating as a writer. It's like, no – it wasn't that you, you had a really good book that just got edged out. Your book was not good enough.
1: <laughs> right. We didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> Brickless, here from you. What do you got?
3: Great. I have three. Mm. And there's a commonality between them, which is none of them are prose fiction.
1: Nice. Because
3: okay. I just don't have the brain capacity for it. <laughs> However, I also didn't have the brain capacity for this first book, but I tried it anyway, <laughs> which I think is going to surprise you because I don't think you guys would guess that I would pick this book up, hmm. especially given some of our more recent episodes. But I got "Call Us What We Carry" by Amanda Gorman. Oh yeah. Okay. And if you don't have the head for reading fictional prose, you definitely don't have the head for poetry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just <laughs> so I it's it was just so hard to there's there's a couple poems in here I really liked when she gets a little more. More lyrical and traditional. There's also a lot of poems that are, I, I think one of the things I'm learning with with my own trying to read poetry mm. is I just don't have any patience, maybe anymore, or maybe I never did for poetry that seems like at least fifty percent just fucking around with formatting. No. You know, like, and I don't know if that's because... Instagram
1: poetry. But, yeah,
3: but it existed before that. But, like, all of that, like, it's right. just... You just took one couplet and then spread it around a page by putting spaces everywhere in a couple, like, brackets. It's like, I don't... This doesn't make this... Any more interesting to me? In fact, I'm going to skip the rest of them. Right. So I did that, <laughs> but the ones <laughs> the ones that I could actually read were very good. Mm. However, it was not an escape for me because really the focus of this book is the lived experience of the last year and a half. So there's a heavy focus on sort of isolation from COVID mm. as well as from you know Black Lives Matter from her perspective. Right. So like so, some some very strong sort of ideas and writing in here and definitely worth reading mm. and if someone had more more, more poetic vocabulary you know mm. criticism than me then that would probably or criticism vocabulary than me that would probably help but mm. I, I think it's mm. worthwhile and I'm, and I'm glad i read it but also it depressed the mm. shit out of me right so i guess recommended <laughs> i think i think this is something that with a little more space it's gonna feel very important yeah. Yeah, okay. But still in the pandemic and still watching just horrible racist shit happen every day on the TV, it just mm. makes me wanna die.
1: Yeah, too close to the bone. <laughs> yeah. But good. Right. Alright.
3: A recommendation by our friend Aaron Block here a Ooh. long time ago, and I and I finally picked it up was a comic book called Ultra Mega. Oh
1: yeah. Nice.
3: The first volume Stand with Humanity by James Heron and Dave Stewart. Feeling pretty pretty mixed on this Aaron. really the art is awesome Mm -hmm. and like the idea of it is cool it took me a long time to get my head around what the fuck was happening in the story and more importantly like did i care
1: Fair enough. I can see <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> like I think the second half of it, I started to, to care a little more and like sort of get into it. The first part, there's a lot of like, who's this guy? What's happening? Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's this? Like the general, there's like some kind of disease that just randomly turns people into kaiju, like Godzilla kind of monsters. Yeah. So it's just kind of mayhem, <laughs> uh, and like, and the arts, the arts pretty cool.
1: Yeah, the art's amazing.
3: Like really cool. Yeah. yeah. So I found myself more enjoying flipping through it and not wanting I, so I, I went through it a second time and i honestly didn't even read the words right. and, I, and i liked that second pass better Catch you. yeah i don't know i'd probably pick up pick up the second volume because the, the story did start to find its find its direction the first half like i, I couldn't have predicted what the second half was going to be it just as like which characters are important like what's what's happening
1: here yeah so, so like the basic premise is yeah the, this disease turns people into kaiju and there's three sort of champions who've been chosen to defend earth against these rampaging monsters but they're i don't know i don't want to say like Average people, just like they're not like heroic types. They're people who are sort of like traditional, like superhero types. They're kind of like, just like you know, people schlubs, just just dudes. Yeah, and they get decimated by this one giant monster who is like the son of, oh no, eventually the son of the hero is like also a monster. I think it's kind of complicated. And so the first issue, like the main character dies. And then the next issue picks up with like his legend and who takes on the mantle from there. So it really drops you right into it. And yeah, it took me quite a while to figure out what's going yeah. on. But the art's so good. And the story is, even though the details are sometimes murky, the overall arc is, I think, really interesting. And the fights are very bloody. It's it's like yeah. super gore. It's really cool. That's It's yeah. pretty gore. Yeah, he's great. He's like one of the best artists.
3: Yeah, I definitely am interested in another, you know, yeah. trade volume when it comes out. I don't know that I'll pre order anything like that, but I might pick it up at some point. All right. And then finally, and this one's like 20 pounds. So hang I got this giant encyclopedia. Wow. It is like 700 pages. It's called the. This maybe an, and I earn a lot of own a lot of nerdy things, but this might be up there. Uh, a guide to Japanese role playing games. Whoa! And it is a literally a massive encyclopedia of every JRPG video game made since like 1979 or whatever. That's
1: probably a shit ton of games.
3: Yeah, it's a lot, which is cool. It's great for flipping through. Um, so pretty, pretty much every I don't know how comprehensive it is. It seems pretty comprehensive. Pretty much every game has a little like either anywhere from a half a page to a two page little write up and a few pictures which is cool and it's like a pretty neat thing if you're i mean those are that's like my favorite game genre that's like comfort food for me so sometimes just flipping through and and reading my stuff is 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 pretty relaxing but (laughs) i I don't know what the organizational plan is with this book it's all over the place it's like sort of i mean there's a there's a glossary in the back where you can just look up a a game and go Mm -hmm. to the page but there's no it's like sort of done by publisher Mm -hmm but then not always. And sometimes it's done by series. So there's no, I don't know why they just didn't put it in chronologically or alphabetically, like one or the other. It seems like a weird way to go about it. You have a
1: couple of choices for an encyclopedia and that's none of them.
3: Yeah. So, strange. Uh, And then the other thing that's strange, not strange, because obviously one person, it would have taken their life to write this whole thing. There's, like, lots of different contributors. So, all the different, you know, there's probably, like, 40 different writers that contributed the -hmm. the different blurbs. And then some of them are, you know, more objective, like, here's what the thing is. And then some of them are, like, little capsule reviews. And then some of them are written by, like, clearly uber (laughs) nerds that are just... You know, so there's no, there's not a lot of consistency in the in the sort of voice or approach right. to the to the write-ups. But it's still pretty cool. It's a fun thing to. I flip through it a few times, and to actually read the whole thing will take me forever. But it'd be
1: good. I feel like bathroom read too. Like just like on the can, just flipping through, reading up a couple games. Uh,
3: it's like 20 pounds. You do it's so
1: heavy.
3: Maybe not raps. 20. I'm, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put on this thing here. I'm gonna go with 11 11 okay. pounds. I, this would, is, I would go uh, under
1: uh, five. Wow. I'm gonna go with 17. I go with 38.
2: 17 pounds. Nico's definitely <laughs> close. I feel like, like if I pack if I, <laughs> a, if I pack a carry-on bag for a four-day trip, it's 15 pounds.: It's wow.
3: not.: Nico, Nico wins prices, right rules. it is 5.8 wow. pounds that's <laughs> that's heavy <laughs> yeah
2: sure
1: yeah that's good i hadn't thought about that but yeah you're right like 50 pounds of it as a bag is like you have to pay extra to put on the plane right yeah, so it's like cool. you can barely lift it <laughs> right yeah did import it from england so, they oh, had so it point. Of it.
3: and the, the author of this is or the editor is named kurt Kulata I'm mostly saying that so I don't have to look it up when I type in the show notes.
1: <laughs> and the culotta is named after him. That's a, he he <laughs> developed the drink uh, Dunkin donuts. <laughs> the yeah, he
3: also invented a weird,
2: a weird so frozen. frozen
3: coffee. Who was it That's who he's most famous for?
2: Who was it who said he invented the frappuccino? Oh, Kenny G. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> There was just some, I just read some savage review of the Kenny G documentary. And one of the things was, and then he claims he invented the Frappuccino.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he did.
1: If that's true, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I got to give props to Kenny G for inventing the Frappuccino if that's the case. Yeah. Brick, what would you say is your favorite JRPG?
3: Mm, Probably Chrono Trigger.
1: Mm, mm, That makes sense. Do you think they could make a Battletoads role-playing game? Yep. And should they?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah they, and they should. They, they did make really? a new Battletoads game. That, disagree uh, with... No, I disagree
2: with they should. It's but, fine. Yeah, should, they can.
1: I would play it. I love Battletoads. That makes two. It makes two of you. I would
3: play, I would play that also. <laughs> It'd be
1: great. Yeah. Big fan of Zitz and Rash oh. and yeah, Pimple, I think, was the other one. Ugh. The villain was a woman yeah, with okay. a... Large breasts. What a game!
3: Wasn't it? Wasn't it like slug for a butt or whatever? That's Earthworm Jim, Not right? Yeah, oh, no, that's Earthworm Jim. No,
1: and gym. Professor Monkey for a head. Dave, what does your reading look like these days? It looks
0: like I'm in the middle of about four things, and I I don't I haven't finished mm. anything aside from The Grinch since the last time we talked. But maybe in <laughs> in January I'll have something. Did I talk about Milwaukee Noir last time? No. I did that is something I did read it's been a few months now but Nico do you, have you ever read anything from that series it's like a series of noir story collections that they pick a city and state city or state huh no they're fucking terrible yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of them yeah they're terrible yeah i had a, i read the texas one for i read the boston like one a long time 10 years ago. ago yeah what did you think
3: i remember not liking it
0: yeah <laughs> So I didn't like the Texas one at all. I picked up the Milwaukee one just because I became aware of it and I'm from Milwaukee. So like, I thought I would check it right. out. So it's like, I've only read two out of the, you know, there are many dozens of them by now. So I I guess I shouldn't like shit on the whole series. But of the two I've read, I would say like maybe for every 10 stories, four or five of them are like, you know, immediately forgettable, mediocre, uh-huh. useless writing. Yeah. One or two, are like pieces you would read in a literary magazine and be like, yeah, all right, that's that was, you know, well done. And the rest are just total garbage. Hmm. Huh. Maybe the I would the garbage and the yeah. forgettable are are pretty even. And then yeah, the one or two story okay. per collection for ten.
2: I mean, it does seem like that is not not necessarily a doomed way to go about it, but it's I can see that going. Poorly, Because, like, what's the difference between Milwaukee noir and, like, Appleton noir? Yeah, like, the thing is, is, like,
0: often shit? in a story it'll be like, you can tell that the writer wrote it for this book. It's a story that could be set anywhere, but then he or she, like, throws the name of a bar into it, like a local well-known right. bar. Like, after all this... After this gunfight, we we went to, yeah. you know, fucking Rosie's or whatever and had a beer. Like, that all right. Yeah, that they've definitely never been to. Just <laughs> right, exactly. Google Maps. But, uh, I mean, yeah. I have to assume it's gone well because there might be – I should count, but there could be close to 100 of these books that have come Jesus out from Christ. this one publisher. Yeah, it's a big series. So that people like it. And there it. are
1: several I mean, that are multiple volumes. I have to –
0: yeah, there are, like, three for Boston, if not more. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy.
1: I feel like, yeah, definitely a lot of the appeal, I think, going into that series is you're going to read stories that have local references, right? You just want to, like... Right. And you want to be able to then go to the place and be like, oh, this is where, in that story, the guy, yeah. like, got shot, whatever. It doesn't <laughs> work for me. I don't... That... I don't... Find that appealing.
2: Yeah. I would. I, I just feel like I would need more exotic cities like Singapore Noir. They probably I have know, it. I mean, Tokyo have Noir. Like that would that would be interesting. But then they but have, like, like random like even Boston you
0: know, Richmond. <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah. Because
2: like it's I would
1: design. I would go even smaller. Even smaller. <laughs> I would go, like like just the weird like Watertown <laughs> like, Noir. Like, like like, like, Small yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, Water town. Yeah. Plymouth Noir. Great. Sligo <laughs> Noir. <laughs> I'm sure, there's a Dublin, yeah, like Round Rock Noir, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. outside of Austin. Like, if they did so a we sligo to the express uh, there's the housing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went to Best Buy and <laughs> to Panera Bread because there's nothing there. That has an independent <laughs> character. Yeah,
2: if they did a Sligo Noir, me and Kevin Bohane could finally. What's his name? Kevin, Kevin Barry. Yeah. Says Kevin, Barry. Kevin Barry. Kevin
1: yeah, could, could finally uh, become best friends. <laughs> He's become a metafictional character. <laughs> He's entered his own text. Kevin Bohane. I feel like Milwaukee Noir, if it doesn't have a story where a character is investing in the death of Squiggy, then it's not worth the price of admission. <laughs> like you got to have some kind of Laverne and Shirley or Happy Days story to make that work. Yeah.
0: And then you, you, I look through the bios and it's all like heavily published. Like The worst story in the Milwaukee one was written by a dude who, at least in his bio claims to have published like dozens of books and New York Times bestsellers and won all these awards. And it's just right. so awful. I wonder
2: <laughs> what percentage of their sales they get from like the impulse purchase aisle at Barnes and Noble, like mm. in December when people are like, oh, I should get a present for yeah. Uncle George. Uh, I gotta just get him this fucking Milwaukee <laughs>
1: Yeah. Really gift giving. I definitely have given those books as gifts to people because like, oh, you live in this part of the people country. You enjoy this. And having never read any of the stories, I'm just like, I hope you like this. Yeah, the I will say the cover designs of those series are cool. They they definitely will lure you in with the Judge a Book By It's cover Mm -hmm. concept because they look really cool. I'm always like, well, I want to read this. This looks interesting. But then, yeah. It's got
0: to stand out in the info style. Yeah, I guess the idea is better than the execution from the two
2: that I've read. Oh, okay. I'm just looking it up. So it looks like landmark... Lowercase
1: title. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It looks like it's cool. It's like a nice little like Photoshop thing. It looks nice. So what else? Right, you're in the middle of. You said four books. So what are you in the middle of? Give us some some teasers.
0: One is called. I got it along with Milwaukee Noir. It's called Milwaukee Anthology, and this is oh. essays and poetry about Milwaukee put up by Rust Belt, is a, a really good Midwestern publisher out of Cleveland. So I'm partway through that, and I I like it a lot. I'm still reading. After maybe eight months ago, I started it. Shit, Celine novel journey to the end of the night i think it's oh called yeah,
1: journey yeah. The end the night, i think so it's called yeah
0: it's a beast but yep. and it's been a while since i've even read any of it but when i do i i like it i yeah. don't know it's just but it's it's one of those that's become like a project
1: we were that in uh narratology right brick
3: i know we read a different selene book
1: cool a couple of things on my end just two comics
3: we read death and the installment
1: Plan. that's right that's right two comics to report here i like i've, I've mostly been doing school stuff and just haven't had a ton of time to sit down and read really a new series from tom king i feel like i always talk about tom king's comics on this podcast but i read a lot of them because they're good called the human target and the human target is an old character the concept is he's like a not like a private eye but like you can hire him to be your body double if you think you're going to be assassinated and he will get assassinated for you but he knows how to like not get killed and then you could find out who wanted you killed and you know solve your problems that way kind of like a detective noir kind of thing thriller kind of thing so the idea in this comic is the human target was hired by lex Luthor because he believes someone's trying to kill him and then it turned out he survived the assassination attempt but then he got poisoned somehow so he has like only like a month or a couple days to live or something like that and has to figure out what happened and it's somehow tied to the justice league so it's this really interesting kind of noir feeling you know all the dialogue and sort of the captions feel like drawn from a noir story but with this sort of inflected superhero thing on top of it and it's the justice league international specifically which is a certain era of justice league that i love and the art by greg smallwood is the real sell here the story's great i'm liking it so far but the art is gorgeous uh it's it's really something to see i can't even describe it's not realistic but it's not cartoon it's kind of like retro man it's really something um, the colors really pop too. So it's, it's a gorgeous thing to look at. And the story is good too. So I'm enjoying reading it as well. And the other thing, this is the controversial one, is I read i've been catching up on my, my comics backlist a little bit here and there and i read a four issue miniseries called superman and the authority which is a super superman miniseries written by grant morrison and drawn by Mikhail jenning and i just confirms my my theory that grant morrison's the best superman writer uh he really has it figured out he knows the character backwards and forwards and it was just a delight to read I had all the things I about superman were in that comic i didn't quite understand what was going on because <laughs> it's tied to the current continuity and I had to, i'm not reading superman comics so i don't really know i know that in this case, Superman has not, he's like gone into hiding kind of, he's not really Superman and his powers are waning. And so he assembles a team of people to help him do some missions. Uh, you know, It's a very eclectic group of other superhero characters that doesn't don't, mention. But uh, the Superman character is just right on. He's just like, he has that voice so down. I was really glad to read Grant doing Superman again. I was like, I just wish he was writing the normal book. He's, he's a perfect fit for it. Um, so that was exciting to read as well.
2: Uh, so question. Yes. So how much of the continuity is necessary because it seems like if you a comic if i can say uber nerd can't like can't get the 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 context from context clues like that that seems like a mess for a for a kind of a one-off
1: i think it'll be a tough read for a for an outsider it took me a while to figure out what was going on even though i'm not entirely sure like when it started I thought, oh this is an alternate universe story because there's no way it begins with superman meeting jfk but by before he's assassinated And I was like, oh, this continuity, Superman's old? That's interesting. But I guess he was time traveling. And then there's lots of references to the current continuity about how Superman's son is taking over as Superman and the powers waning thing. I just didn't, I didn't know enough to know exactly what was going on, but it was still enjoyable because I, the story is really good and the the sort of characterizations right on. But you have to, there is that, you have to accept a bit of that. Well, I guess I just don't know exactly how this fits in, right?
2: Yeah. But it's mostly. It's also kind of like. Details. was it's I, mostly details then. It's not like... You can still figure out the main stuff.
1: Yeah, and like if the details are... I mean, sometimes it's like why is this important? Like, why is this happening? But then you get enough inside the story to make it to make it matter. So there... But there is... Like when I was a kid, when you read comics, you just buy, you know, random issues of X-Men off the... News rack at right. the gas station or whatever and like you had no idea <laughs> i had no idea what was going on i was like who is this right. like what is their relationship to anybody else but you keep like coming back to like, well, like the colors in the story and eventually as you, if you get into it like i did you start to piece these things together yeah. and now it fits in but yeah. it takes some excavation certainly it's crazy. and I, i'm not going to do it for this one because i don't i don't like the direction of the current superman books so i'm not going to go read them to figure trying to figure out how it fits in but i, I will read whatever grant morrison writes yeah. superman wise so it's mm-hmm. an uh, easy self. for okay.
2: quick quick follow yeah it, what what year is it in the Current Superman continuity. Because if,
1: if Superman I is I think it's 2021. It's I mean it's comic continuity is hard because okay. it's always set in the present, but they've been around for 80 years. So right. there's constant recent like when the you know Iron Man, for instance, his origin is from the early days of the Vietnam War, that's when he got injured. And so they keep updating it. So then it was like the Cold War. Then it was the Iraq War. And Then the Afghanistan War. It's like sort of like kind of always a shifts up. Right. So there's some sort of which is a sad comment on society. There's always a conflict. The but war the middle <laughs> They're always kind sort of like trying to like goose up. So it's like, oh yeah, Superman should be you know about like five years into his career at this point, even though you know all the characters have had more than five years worth of adventures. If you it's, you have to just like flex your mind around the instability of it all. And DC's done a thing. They're they're kind of new continuity approach is that it just doesn't matter the you can tell whatever story you want to and we'll we'll explain it to the multiverse which is fine i think but i'm it does. so
2: fucking sick of multiverse shit it's everywhere it's
3: it's
1: unstoppable get ready that's the new thing Ugh. spider-verse unlocked it now it's gonna be it's gonna be everything for better or worse
3: worse didn't dc not being able to make consistent movies unlock it <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that too. I think Spider Verse was the one that so was the big hit where it was like, "Hey, you can just do whatever you want. You can just like, tell these have you can have as many Spider Men you want as you want you in a movie," and everyone was like, "Oh, you can." And now there's gonna be a glut of multiverse but the, movies. Yeah.
2: You could also do that yeah. with calling it a multiverse. but it's also if yeah, you if you do the multiverse Spider Man thing, like that was that was a great that was a great movie, but it was it was yeah. not like a way to just have unlimited like nothing matters, just fucking bullshit. I don't
1: know. Yeah, I think it's a problem. That comic companies are trying to, they have to balance the audience. Like people like me who are steeped in the continuity, and know sort of what happened and have a connection to it. And then new readers who don't and want to keep reading the stories anyway and are frustrated or, or annoyed by the ties to continuity. Yeah. So it's, I think it's an interesting solution. They tried it, you know, a decade ago or two decades ago called Hyper Time and never quite stuck then. It seems to be sticking now where it's just like, ah, don't worry about it too much. You'll, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. But then you have your continuity heads like me who are like ah oh, but i this is the timeline that i had in my head for it's like, i learned this so please let me have it you just gotta let go at some point which is part of growing up i suppose well listeners tell us your thoughts on what you're reading these days on twitter at Yakbabies and then emails us the yak podcast at gmail.com you can also find us on patreon patreon.com slash yakbabies, where you get our bonus podcast and there's so much going on there for one dollar a month there's bro to bro conversations where we get into the just the most awful stuff i can imagine. <laughs> Plus, lots of games. There's fun games and also separate podcasts. We have two spin-off podcasts going on right now. There's Snack Babies, where we investigate the world of snacks. And then there is 101 Ghost Jokes Ranked, where we investigate our own psychosis and find there's a lot of it and so dig into that there's monster draft there's all oh, tons of stuff on their patreon go get it for one dollar and then our merch tinyurl.com slash babies where you can get all of our t-shirts and stuff mugs etc designed by brick all very good all very copyright infringing so get on it now while they last until then yak babies back enough
3: the yak babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners and especially their patrons both past and present including michael Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, and William Howard Taft.